So my first experience with Empower Plus uh, was personally. So I had mentioned my biggest challenge as a teen was with my mental health. Honestly, within the first 10 days, just an immense difference in my mental health. My panic attacks were reduced. I was feeling like I could leave the house, which I was having a lot of difficulty doing. Um, and so personally, I used it before I knew about it um, from a professional or um, any of the knowledge to know, you know why it functions the way it does. I was really just rolling the dice and giving it a try. Greetings, hello, good day, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. Now, True Hope Canada is a mind and body-based supplement company that is dedicated first and foremost to promoting brain and body health through non-invasive nutritional means. For more information about True Hope, you can visit truehopecanada.com. And if you're new to the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss out on any further episodes. Today, we're going to be welcoming holistic nutritionist and host of Networking Nutritionists, Veronica Jean, to the show. Veronica's personal experience with digestive issues, anxiety and panic attacks led her to study holistic nutrition in an attempt to learn to care for her own body. She has now worked in the nutrition field for 15 years and has been fortunate to gain experience in a variety of roles from directing a seven-figure health food store and multidisciplinary clinic for a decade to education and government contracts to maintaining a private practice at capacity and contributing to the non-profit sector. Veronica believes in the power of connection. She brings her diverse experience and passion for learning to network nutritionists to create a positive and powerful space focused on what nutritionists need. Today, though, we will be discussing Veronica's experience with Empower Plus, True Hope Canada's flagship product, as well as her experience with government health agencies and her new venture, Networking Nutritionists. We're also going to touch on how she is supporting the Natural Health Products Protection Association to spread the word to Canadians that our natural health freedoms are at risk. Enjoy the show. Hi, Veronica. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. How are you today? I'm good, and it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. No, of course, I'm excited to get into some stuff. You've got a new venture that you've just got into. So I want to learn a little bit about that. But first off, let's get into a little bit about your your past and your journey into becoming a natural health practitioner. Uh, I got into natural health care by accident, to be honest. Um, when I was a teenager, my career goal at that time was to get into architecture uh, I come from a very uh, industrious family. Lots of people working in trades and architecture really spoke to me. Um, but in my teenage years, I was very sick. I had a lot of digestive health issues, a lot of mental health issues. And so when I was actually in college studying architecture, I was too sick to keep up with it. Um, ended up dropping out of college. Uh, and so that was really disappointing. And so when I started looking into natural health, it was with the only goal of getting myself well enough to go back to college and study architecture. Uh, so I went to school, became a nutritionist, and in the process really fell in love with the industry. And there's actually a lot of similarities. There's lots of um, technical aspects and kind of art and wisdom aspects to it and lots of puzzling things together. So um, it was completely by accident that I fell into this field, but I absolutely love it. Cool. So when you, you say you got kind of sick in college and you had to have a bit of a life reversal, mm -hmm. what, what was happening for you? Was it, was it was it something that happened like quite quickly at the age of what, like 19, 20, or was it something that was building up? So I both, I guess. I, I was not a particularly healthy child. Um, most of my childhood I had, you know, 
the frequent ear infections and lots of strep infections and IBS type symptoms and some anxiety. Um, but ar around my late teens, um, I was struggling with addiction, um, self-medicating my mental health um, challenges. And then um, I had a really close family member pass away. And that was like the straw that broke the camel's back and all of my symptoms went through the roof. Um, and so the mental health was even more challenging than the physical health issues that I was having with my gut um, because I was having panic attacks, um, could not sit through classes in a college setting with 300 other people around me. Um, and it was really overwhelming. And normally uh, I'm a person who just sees everything through to the end. So that decision to, to drop out of college and take care of my health was a really difficult one. Good for you, because a lot of people would have fought through that. I know I think of a couple of guests off the top of my head that we've already ha had on the show did exactly that. Like they got to those college years when, you know, there's a lot more independence. You're kind of having to take care of your, the food yourself and you don't quite have the um, the care and the comforts of being at home. Mm -hmm. So these other things and that just, you know, just going into the environment of university or college is, is so stressful anyway. And as you say, like your body can only tolerate so much and then just symptoms just go, just go wild. Mm -hmm. But you're, your parents had a health, natural health food store, right? So tell us about that. Yeah, it was my in-laws. Um, so I, I came into that. My husband and I were high school sweethearts. So um, they they are like a second set of parents to me. Nice. Um, but I started working at their health food store. Uh, my father-in-law was ill. Um, started working there just part-time to help out the family. And that's where I first learned of natural health at all. It was completely new to me. I did not come from a family uh, that had anything to do with natural health. So I was seeing these people come in every day and saying, you know, I took such and such product and it was amazing. And thank you so much for the recommendation. Uh, my mother-in-law is a registered nurse by training and she was practicing in the realm of nutrition uh, at the time. And uh, she was seeing her clients and they would come in and they're waxing poetic about this change in their life. And here I am getting sicker and sicker. And I'm thinking like, hold on a second, maybe I need to apply some of this to my own life. So really working with them, just the happenstance of that occurring um, was my first little tiptoe into um, natural health myself and gave me that inkling that, you know, I should pursue this further for, for my own benefit. How long did you work at the, the health food store for? Oh boy. Um, so I started there when I was 18. Uh, so how long? Almost 12 years, I guess, uh, that I worked there. Uh, we re closed it just before COVID, uh, which was a really difficult decision. But again, hindsight uh, looks like a pretty decent one. Um, and so the 12, 12 years I was working there, obviously very different capacities. I started out part-time not knowing anything got trained. Um, we expanded. Uh, so we had a multidisciplinary clinic as well um, that I was managing for many years. Uh, and then the health food store um, on the front of it. Very cool. So working in a health food store for 12 years, starting at the age of 18, where you said you didn't really have any experience with with natural health and you know how powerful and wonderful it can be, which makes sense because you know you grow up as a kid, you get ill, or you get sick go to the doctor you get a drug or something for it right so it would make sense that and i think most people that go to a natural health store are of a certain certain age group let's say 50 plus yeah like classic demographic of somebody who goes into a health food store because they probably had 30 years experience in the conventional model and they've not really found a route 
you know not everybody has has had hippie parents so they're not like born into that kind of thing so that's interesting but how has your like personal health development changed from being 18 starting to work in this natural health food store and being surrounded by a completely different care system and then you know you go into university and then you know you start using probably the experience and exposure and education that you're getting at the health food store how does that progress through through those 12 years Mm -hmm. so um early on i recognized that this was something that i needed to look into for myself and that was my my sole motivation for um going and studying nutrition becoming a nutritionist um i really thought I was just going to do this for me, get myself well, so I could meet my goals. Um, And I just completely fell in love with the industry. Um, I found it so collaborative, um, which was an entirely different way of looking at work um, from what I was used to in the field of architecture, which was so competitive. Um, And especially as a female, uh, in the field of architecture, I was usually one of maybe one or two females in the room. uh, And that was the complete opposite in nutrition. It was all of these wonderful women who I was learning amazing things from. Uh, So from the, just the culture side of things, it was so welcoming and it, it just felt like the right place to be. So I, I started off, like I said, really just wanting to learn for myself. Um, And once I got into it and I got certified, um, I decided that I wanted to pursue a private practice. Um, So for the first five years or so of my career as a nutritionist, I mainly worked um, in private practice one-on-one with people. Um, And then when we expanded the business to include the multidisciplinary clinic, um, I was managing that aspect of our business. So, you know, working with naturopathic doctors and chiropractors and um, mental health therapists um, to, to build out our programs and make sure that we were delivering really collaborative care. Um, and so that was really, really fun to, to be able to kind of grow, um, with the business as well. Well, that sounds very different from the beginnings of just going in uh, for a part-time job. Entirely. Absolutely. That's great. And that's how passions flourish. And I, I love that. That's great. Um, tell, so tell us about your experience with, um, because I think it's very interesting. We've had Sean Buckley on the show a couple of times and we've spoken about how um, small health food stores are, you know, quite heavily surveilled by governing bodies like Health Canada. Did you have much experience with um, with like with like Health Canada and any kind of like agents kind of keeping tabs on, on what's happening in the store? I'd love to get your perce- your perception on that. Yeah, so um, I was 18 in 2008. Um, So that was when there was a lot happening with NHPs and re-regulating natural healthcare products in Canada. So there was a lot of um, upheaval, I'll say, within the industry. We lost a lot of brands that we had been purchasing out of the US uh, that we were no longer able to get across the border. That was the first thing um, that I noticed. And I recall my in-laws being really frustrated about Um, you know, that our clients needed these things and we could no longer access them. And we had whole shelves that would be bare that we were trying to find new products to be able to fill those gaps for for the needs of our clients. Um, We did get raided uh, at one point by a Health Canada agent. Um, There was, you know, those products that used to keep behind the counter in healthcare, uh, in health food stores, which was a very common thing. Um, And that was not 
not okay anymore with the the new legislation. So um, it wasn't necessarily about being discreet, but it was really following a new law mm-hmm. that didn't seem to benefit Canadians, frankly, um, really lost access to a lot of good products that people were using to manage their health. Uh, but we weren't allowed to stock those things anymore, even if we were only using them. Um, if it was, you know, my mother-in-law as a registered health practitioner recommending those products still, that was off limits at that point um, when those changes happened with Health Canada. Uh, and then moving forward, we just noticed more and more restrictions um, from that whole NHP framework where products were needing to be licensed and numbered and approved by Health Canada. Um, there was just no innovation uh, was, was the first thing that I noticed. Um, people weren't doing research. They weren't taking chances to develop new products. Um, and then you really started to see products become watered down. So, you know, there is a product that's been on the market for 20 years and suddenly the key ingredient is no longer present in that formula and they haven't mentioned anything about that. Just, you know, uh, tweak the label and keep selling it as it is. Um, but they were really watered down versions of what we once had. So those those were the two the two biggest things I think that I saw change over those years. Yeah, it's such it's so interesting that these entities are, are supposed to be in place to look out for the health of Canadians. But when you're literally coming into a store and taking products off the shelf and reducing the choice, yeah. and in many cases, you know, an individual might require this product that's coming from overseas, and that's very specific towards them. It's not. It's not like they can just go and get a, a mimicking drug or go and get a product that's just made in Canada. Like it just doesn't work and- like that. And, you know, that was, that was my personal experience as well. Like I tried all the drugs. I did all the things I had the different cocktails and, um, I did what my doctor told me to do and I just kept getting worse. And so my foray into natural healthcare was out of pure desperation, right? Like it's my body. I was the one experiencing these challenges. I wanted to feel better. I did feel better using those products. It did allow me to heal. Uh, so, you know, if certain things are coming off the market, that's impacting me personally. And I know so many other Canadians as well. We're experiencing that desperation of, I need this to maintain my health. And now I can't get it. What do I do? Yeah. Just, just wild stuff that's, that happens in like these small stores. And when we're using the words like raid mm-hmm. and, take, and taking things off the shelf, it's just like, it's quite phenomenal that these things happen. I don't think a lot of people actually know that these things happen quite frequently and small health food stores are being really like carefully watched and Mm -hmm. the the reduction of of choice and products on the shelves really does a massive disservice to canadians Mm -hmm. opposite to what you would expect a health canada agent would would kind of want to do so yeah that's a significantly frustrating thing i think that anyone that's either worked in in a health food store owned one or you know visits one and has a community based within it, right? Because these small health food stores are very community based. That's mm-hmm. something that's very different to conventional medicine is like you've got people collaborating and, and talking and discussing. It's a very, very different world. You know, you have to be interested in people to to jump into the natural health world, which is very interesting because, you know, you're talking about architecture, being interested in things and then going to natural health products is about people. It's a very, it's a very different, uh, interesting contrast of, of, of interests. So why don't you tell us about your experience with um with True Hope Canada because we've got we've you now we've had our whole a whole career of controversy with Health Canada but what's your experience with with, with True Hope and um our flagship product Empower Plus as a natural health practitioner 
So my first experience with Empower Plus uh, was personally. So I had mentioned my biggest challenge as a teen was with my mental health. Um, and so I had a, um, a friend of a friend, I guess, who had already gone and studied nutrition and had heard of Empower Plus during their studies and said, you know, this is something you might want to check out. I've heard some cool things about it that, you know, it might help with mental health. Um, so that was my, my first introduction. I uh, read up about it online and decided, like, what did I have to lose? I might as well give it a go. Yeah. Um, I was already in pretty rough shape, so I was pretty sure it at least wasn't going to make me any worse. Okay. Um, and I, I honestly, within the first 10 days, just an immense difference in my mental health. My panic attacks were reduced. I was feeling like I could leave the house, which I was having a lot of difficulty doing. Um, and so personally, I used it before I knew about it um, from a professional or um, any of the knowledge to know, you know, why it functions the way it does. I was really just rolling the dice and giving it a try. Um, and then later, as um, someone practicing one-on-one, -on -one, I've certainly had those clients where mental health was a really significant concern for them. And uh, Empower Plus many times has been a product that has been absolutely life-changing for clients of mine. How, when you recommend it, considering mm -hmm. your, your education and your personal experience of using it for those 10 days, how important is it to get the, the point across to your clients that, listen, you can't just like take one capsule one day and then oh, I forgot to take my capsule, it's 10 p.m., I'll just take one before bed, you know? So, yeah. like, you know, how important is it to follow the guidelines of your natural, natural health practitioner very, to, get the to get the results, right? Yeah, very important. So, like I said, I noticed a difference within those first 10 days. Um, I, I think I took it for at least a couple of years, might have been longer, um, where I was taking this every single day and my health was improving over time, right? Um, my, my health had decreased down that slope of health and I needed to climb my way back up. So it was not a quick process. Um, but to see the results and to feel like, okay, this is working was really fast, um, which was nice because like I said, I've, I tried so many drugs where just felt like I was getting worse and worse, everything that I tried, um, with clients, I think having that, um, initial improvement in symptoms can be such a motivating factor, especially for folks who have tried everything else, which is most of the clients that I would see. They were people who had done all of the things that they could think of doing. And this was last ditch effort to try to feel better. Um, so having that quick, um, impact on symptoms, having symptom reduction really is a motivating factor to continue this on a longer term and continue to see those improvements. That's really cool. Do you do you use your personal anecdote of using the product when you talk to clients? Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. It it depends on how well uh, I know the client and right. kind of have to gauge it. I think personal case studies are really important, um, and it's a type of evidence I think that we should have more access to in relation to natural health products. Um, but I'm also careful that you know I don't want to. Um, assume that someone would have the exact experience that I would have uh, yeah. because we are obviously all biochemically unique. Um, so I, it, it depends. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, oftentimes I would give a product like that to a client, let them have their own results, and then later tell them uh, that I had had a similar experience, but try not to, to taint things right off the bat or give them any sort of uh, expectation on what would happen. Sure. It could be so difficult sometimes to, uh, to motivate that individual to 
really buy into the mm -hmm. the dosage and the the, you know, the the frequency of taking that product because you know when you when you took it for those ten days you were in a pretty significant place so your motivation was really like yeah it was really endogenous I was, I was, was all in I was yeah. gonna do it mm -hmm. yeah that's great that's awesome um I'd love to get your opinion on like where we're at with natural health in like 2021 mm -hmm. like you know you've had your experience working in 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 the in the stores we've had this two years of insanity mm -hmm. um you know where where do we lie especially like here in Canada where mm -hmm. do we lie do you think in regards to like natural health like right now I think um, I think natural health has really been vilified, especially over the last couple of years. Um, I, I mentioned we made the decision to close our health food store. Um, that, that community aspect just wasn't the same. There was more and more government hoops that we had to jump through to be able to stay open. And so the profitability from a business standpoint was becoming very, very difficult. Um, and, you know, wanted to make the decision before the decision was made for us at some point was what yeah. it looked like we were doing. Um, natural health products specifically, I think we're continuing to see them watering down products, like I said. So in order for a company to apply for an NPN number to be able uh, to sell a natural health product in Canada, um, folks that I know who work in regulation in natural health product companies, manufacturers, they're consistently experiencing frustrations with that, that, you know, we used to have 600 milligrams of this ingredient and now Health Canada is only allowing us to put 150. Uh, and so, you know, people aren't going to want to take 12 capsules a day yeah. um, to get a therapeutic dose. So that kind of difficulty. Um, I also think with social media, there's been a lot of censorship um, in regards to discussing natural health, especially related to uh, COVID-19 and all of the things that go with it. Um, personally, you, you mentioned my new venture. So networking nutritionists, uh, started as a Facebook group. We were just a free Facebook group of about 2000 nutritionists, uh, speaking amongst ourselves. And we kept having posts taken down, uh, Facebook threatening that they would close the group. Um, and we weren't allowed to talk about things, even though we're evidence-based. So sharing, you know, published articles about vitamin D reducing the frequency of hospitalization, wasn't wasn't okay with Facebook that yeah. that flagged the algorithm and uh, would get taken down. So that that sort of um, censorship of speech as well and discussion about different ideas and different ways of handling this crisis, I think, has really been stifled. Yeah, if you've got Health Canada and the government taking taking one step in regards to actually blocking the physical product being able to get into my hands to use and then also mm -hmm. controlling the language and what people are allowed to speak about like that's just like when it comes from like a government point of view it's a really powerful place to be in if we can't even communicate and talk about these these topics be them controversial or not i mean like using vitamin d to boost your immune system is like you know you're gonna find a hundred thousand studies on pubmed for that like yeah. it's completely anti-science not, not even that conversation yeah it's not groundbreaking it's got common knowledge but if they're able to censor that and, you know, have these, you know, people in Silicon Valley, like really like hammering hard to just not allow people to have the, you know, the social conversation. Cause I think social media can be really powerful and really wonderful way. Like, you know, you've connected with 2000 nutritionists on Facebook. That's a really positive thing. But once, you know, you start having conversations that are deemed, I don't know, controversial, not necessary, 
don't go get you know against the the narrative i don't know like so many ridiculous things but that's that's a problem and if people aren't even let, allowed to have the conversations about these things people really need to recognize that conversation and um and dialogue is a really really important part of science and society that if we want to evolve and move forward and step out of this tw twilight zone it has to happen you know i constantly have conversations with people about controversial things and people usually get like emotions like get volatile but we have to be able to have these types of conversations that do spark emotion because they're the really important topics mm -hmm. and if we can't communicate about these things that's a really really big problem because we've clearly like got this lack of skill of being able to converse without it going immediately into this like argument yeah you're you're yeah. touching on something that i've definitely observed myself as well um increasing over the last number of years where it's it's almost forbidden to have a moderate opinion about something like you have to be all in one way or the other you can't have want something that's in the middle or have an opinion that's in the middle uh it's just not allowed uh you got to pick a side and i think that's that's really really challenging like you can be pro-science and also want more research to be done on natural products like mm -hmm. both of those things can happen at the same time um but the sort of the mainstream narrative is that there's one side and there's the other side and there's nothing in between that um and i think it's that really false dichotomy uh, that certainly is playing into some of the the controversies that we have in the world right now. Yeah. And if you stick to a system like that, where you're one solo or the other, and there's no, there's no middle ground to even have a conversation, you get a political system like the USA. Exactly. Yep. But we won't get into that. We're going to move on to, um, yeah, we're going to move on to your um, work with NHPPA, which if you, if people yeah. don't know, is the Natural Health Products Protection Association. Mm -hmm. um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that association and what that organization is is attempting to do? Yeah, so NHPPA, if I had to sum it up in a sentence, what I think they're all about, uh, it's protecting Canadians' access to natural health products and practices as well. Um, so head up, it's you mentioned Sean Buckley. He is the president at NHPPA and he's worked alongside uh, Julia Rickard is their um, campaign manager there. So they've been partnering together for the last 15 years at NHPPA. Uh, it all came about um, around Bill C-15. So going back, you know, to 2006, 2007 in Canada. Um, and there was huge public outroar about these new government restrictions and NHPPA came to be around that time. Since then, that public uh, outrage has really dwindled and a lot of people have accepted this narrative that, um, you know, the government is just trying to protect us and, uh, you know, maybe we don't need as many choices because uh, the government has our best interests in mind. Um, and so NHPPA really underlying everything that we do it's about that freedom of choice the the belief that we should have uncensored access to information uh, and that people as canadians are competent individuals who sovereign individuals who should have the capacity to make decisions for themselves and have freedom of choice access to products and practices that allow them to to exert that freedom of choice and how is the best way to get because i think that's a really important point because you were talking about how initially was it sorry was it 2006 2008 2006 7 ish okay um, in the past quote me on that exactly somewhere in there okay yeah there was this 
this is you know really before social media was like a really big thing and people mm -hmm. were probably getting their information from different sources and there was a definitely a bigger community-based approach in the natural health world so if you know there was this bill being passed it would be quite probably wild wildly probably simple simpler to get that message through the community mm -hmm. 15 years ago than it, than it is today because of because of censorship and opinions and and certified beliefs yeah. so i think that's that's really interesting but how can people like learn a little bit more about nhppa and get yeah. involved uh, so we do have a website at nhppa.org. Um, there's a, a button there about us where you can learn a little bit about the history. Um, we have information about past campaigns that we've done. Um, and then there's a page for any current campaigns. So we've got some good stuff coming up this fall um, and into the winter. So you can stay tuned for that. Uh, if you wanted to sign up for the email newsletter, that's an option to stay up to date. Um, so you see when those new campaigns are coming out. And I am a part of that newsletter personally, and it's not something you're going to get, not going to get spammed three times a day or even three no, times we a week. <laughs> uh, it's very like, it's very like, it's once like every few months and it's very important information. It's more of like a call to action. This is what you need to know. This is what you can do. And it's really informative. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Uh, maybe once a month or so that we're sending out an email with all of the really important bits that we need people to plug in on. Beautiful. Um, let's, I want to talk a little bit more about you and networking nutritionists sure. so we've sp spoken about community and how important that is especially oh my just it's just as a human being in general but you know we talk yeah. about the natural health industry is ha has these close communities but there's definitely a reductionist single point of view in many different natural health practitioners products associations companies etc but what's the in your experience what's the value of community in the natural health world? So I had mentioned um, when I transitioned from architecture to natural health care, um, that difference in the culture being not about competition, but rather about collaboration. And that that's truly remained the, the biggest uh, gold, just little nugget, I guess, that I can take away from that community. Um, because I really believe there, there's such an amazing synergy um, that happens when you're with like-minded people, um, having open conversations, lifting each other up, supporting uh, a single cause, whatever that may be, supporting each other. Just that entire collaborative approach uh, really lifts everyone up who's involved. And um, that's very, very different from what I experienced uh, in school before uh, I studied nutrition. And so that is the thing that I love the most about my work now um, is being able to do that collaboration and help to lift other people up and then them do the same as well. I love it. That's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. So like in this insane divided world, like even before COVID, you know, we're divided the, the the more easily we're segregated and divided the easier we are to manipulate and control right whether that's sex gender religion politics list goes on vaccine beliefs you know like which was arguably one of the most spiteful things we have like right now and another big thing you just like can't talk about because people just go immediately into like anger or defensive or attacking right away so people can't even have that conversation with their family members you know mm -hmm. so how do we start building community and like you know being neighbors in such a divided world right now do you have any tools for us 
Yeah, so that really is um, networking nutritionists. We've moved to a new platform off of Facebook recently, so we're not dealing with the same censorship. So I think you touched on it earlier. Step number one is just having those conversations. And some conversations will be difficult conversations. That's where growth lies. Um, so I think as people, uh, just in general, especially in westernized societies, we need to get a little more comfortable with being mm. uncomfortable. Um, like heaven forbid we have to walk anywhere or, you know, we don't have a climate controlled environment or you have to entertain yourself with your own thoughts for five minutes instead of looking into the meta. Uh, we just, we're not good at being uncomfortable. And I think starting those conversations can feel uncomfortable. So just being okay with that discomfort for a little while, it does lead to those opportunities for growth for looking at how to connect with the people around you, how to collaborate and, and support and uplift your community. Uh, and I, I really, I think that's a huge opportunity that we all have and we can all decide to do and, and make a part of our character and a part of our everyday life. Um, doesn't cost anything to do that, um, but, but it, it's a huge cultural shift. It's, it's not consistent with how most uh, North Americans are behaving right now. Yeah you're spot on there i think when I, I when it comes to controversial topics when the way i think about it now i've, gone, I've certainly gone through a learning process in my mind is that if i have a particular opinion or belief about a certain topic and somebody else who i know has got the complete opposite that looking at that from the outside can look like we're very very different people mm -hmm. but we're not at the end of the day you know like i think it's important to grab onto the commonalities that we have you know like you're a human being so am i i like to feel good you like to feel good and coming from a place of compassion and understanding and you know obviously like i'm so, i'm always super open to being wrong as well mm -hmm. and i just i genuinely like to understand how people get to a point of view and i think when it comes to something like let's say covid and vaccines and like everyone should get vaccinated and it's a great idea I think that um, people, if they really take a step back and figure out how they've come to that belief, you know, from a, you know, they've taken in some information, created some thoughts, creating in an idea, creating a um, opinion, and then a belief as you, re re you know, you regurgitate that in your mind, and it becomes so solidified, right, into a point where you will, you will attack somebody who d attacks it, or you will defend it, you know, and I, I feel it's very important to take a step back from that and realize that okay look we're all we're all exposed to so much unbelievable hyper information in such a hyper novel way that you know our, bi our biology cannot keep up with it so we should certainly have an understanding about that and at the end of the day everyone just wants to feel good and and ha and i feel people want to have a community they want to have friends they want to go out and do all these wonderful things and be happy and feel good mm -hmm. but it's quite difficult to do that these days when you've got no idea if the neighbor next to you is a vaccine Mm. lover or not you know it's and it's 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 troubling because it's it divides people up from like a visible platform when you look outside of your house and you've got your neighbors you know it's really it's a it's a real problem mm -hmm. and there are certainly solutions that, and I, I think you're, you're right with that and i think i think just just in my own personal experience having some some gratitude and some understanding that mm -hmm. people are going to be different from me my thoughts and my beliefs be them right or wrong whatever or they need to be plastic they need to be fluid they need to be able to change i can't consistently watch just the same 
person talking about the same thing because their opinion is just going to keep regurgitating and filling that part of my mind you know i need to be taking information from from both sides to come up with my even own opinion you know because i think most opinions people have about big things aren't they're not like they've really thought about it and taken both sides and made an opinion up they basically like gone on to their favorite youtuber or watched ctv and then that's gospel that's a problem and I think with with those major um, social media platforms, especially, and to a slightly lesser extent with with mainstream media as well, um, if you do have a particular opinion that is already sort of formed, those platforms are built to bring you deeper into that opinion that you already have, right? Going, we've all heard the phrase, you're going down the rabbit hole. Uh, that's easy to do on a place like YouTube or Facebook, where you just see more and more extremist versions of your own opinion um, being delivered to you. So yeah. that was another um, factor that we we took into account in moving networking nutritionists onto a new platform as well, was what what else are we consuming when we're going on to Facebook, you know, to scroll and check in on a group that we enjoy? What else are we being bombarded with? And as you said, there's so much information coming to us that we just, we can't process it all. So that was part of it as well, to have this really dedicated space where you are intentionally going to check in with your colleagues and do the collaboration and have some opportunities for learning. And you're not having all of the other stuff uh, coming into your brain at the same time. Yeah, huge point in regards to, you know, whoever's got the eyes and ears, like, you know, Facebook, you know, they've got 90% of people on the planet, like engage with them. Mm -hmm. And if they have as a company, a a particular philosophy or a goal or something, then it would be very, very easy to cultivate that through to other people. And then people start believing that that's that that's their own belief or opinions. Um, yeah, that's, that's wild. And yeah, I think a lot of people don't recognize that the power that that type of exposure has. Yeah. I mean, there's entire industries built around it, right? That's why advertising is a job because it works. You Mm -hmm. can easily manipulate other people to taking actions that you want them to. So being really aware of the environments that you're putting yourself into, what media you're choosing to consume, uh, I think is really important. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, networking nutritionists, it's networknutritionist.com, right? Networkingnutritionist.com, yeah, has all the information about our platform. Uh, there's little buttons there where you can join us if you want to. Um, so we do uh, vet all of our members to make sure everyone is actually a nutritionist uh, who comes into the group. And so we're having, uh, and we do have a holistic uh, lens on things. So not necessarily uh, university level clinical dietitians coming into the group, but more holistic nutritionists and natural uh, medicine practitioners are, are within there. And then we get to chat amongst ourselves. We have opportunities for continuing education, interviews with experts in the field, all kinds of fun stuff is happening in there. That's really cool. So if I'm a nutritionist, I've gone to your website, I can sign up, I can check it out. And then what type of, uh, do you do like live, do you do like live, live things so I can meet different people across the, across the world? Yeah, we do. So we do interviews uh, every month. Um, So our experts uh, this month, we have Joy McCarthy coming on 
um, and Julia Rickard as well from NHPPA, but she's coming on for a different reason. Uh, And then um, next month, we're doing some some, uh, webinars with Metabolic Balance uh, training program um, coming in. We've got uh, Brett Hawes coming on to do some talk about autoimmunity and um, having really effective intake process as a nutritionist. So there's lots of good stuff. That's just the next few weeks. Um, So we do try to um, spotlight those in our industry who are doing really cool things and um, open up opportunities to continue our education and have those conversations about different viewpoints. Very, very cool. I think being able to connect different practitioners that, you know, obviously they're all coming into natural health and they want to learn about what they can do to help people feel better. But there's so many different ways in which you can do that and so many different ways you can communicate that type of healing to a practitioner. And is, is there, is there also a space where you're able to, um, like, you know, I've got this, I've got this client who's dealing with this, this, and this, and, you know, I've mm-hmm. tried this and this, and you know, has anyone got any experience? Like I would, t- I would certainly find that to be yeah. a really, really helpful tool. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you're able to post your question just in like the discussion board within the group. Um, if you want to get written answers and then every month we also have a uh, group coaching. So that could be business related, marketing related, client related. And then we have specifically another meeting where we do case conferencing. So exactly what you said, you know, I've got this difficult situation feeling stuck, not sure where to go. And we'll just kind of brainstorm it out and discuss some, some other alternatives, things that, you know, might be overlooking or things you might not have considered. Um, so it's really nice to, again, that, that collaborative, um, environment. Case conferencing. I like that a lot. That's really cool. Um, I'm just kind of wrap things up a little bit here, but I've got a question for you. So you've got network nutritionists, NHPPA family, (laughs) Like what, um, what do you do to, and obviously we've just got like all this stuff coming at us all the time anyway, like what do you do to relax and chill and re-energize and bring that energy back to you? So I have often joked that like if lifelong student was a job, that's the one that I would have uh, picked. So I am a university student right now as well. And I know that's unusual to say like, that's what I do for fun, but it is so fun to me. Uh, So I am doing classes and then to really just wind down, I'm also an avid reader. So my goal for this year was to read 100 books. I think I'm going to hit it. I'm getting pretty close. So reading is also something that I love to do to, again, different viewpoints, look at the world from a different way and just be able to relax and and tune tune down a little bit. What's been your favorite book so far this year? For this year, I reread. So this is maybe not like the feel good book you're looking for, but I reread uh, Brave New World, which I read the first time when I was in high school. And given the the current circumstances of our world, it was really fascinating to to reread that book, um, considering some of the government policy that mm-hmm. is occurring right now. So that was interesting uh to to read given the time so and i i loved that book from the beginning so that was a really enjoyable one um i also have read a few hank green uh and john green books they're like young adult novels and i just i like their style of reading or uh, their style of writing so i enjoyed those too very cool do you have your books like lined up for the for the year Uh, I think I think I do probably have enough to get me through to the end of the year at this point. Um, I've got a little shelf beside my bed where I whenever I get a new one, I just stick it on the end. Yep, there's another one. Uh, but I've got my bookshelf where all of the ones I've I've read are. I'm still uh, a, a bit old school. I like 
physical books and, you know, writing in the margins and uh, being able to put my energy into it that way. So I, I, I love my book collection and, and adding to it. Yeah, I love the idea of building a library. I think that's wonderful. Something you can physically pass on. In regards to like, do you have, is it, do you have like any like um, natural health books that are in there? Cool. Yeah. If, yeah, if you're um, going to recommend, if you're going to recommend one to me and the listeners, what would it be? Oh goodness. Only one. That's so hard. Um, maybe fats that heal fats that kill by Jensen. Okay. That's like a, it's an oldie, but it's still so relevant. Uh, so if I could only recommend one that might be, or maybe his better bowel care book. That one's pretty good too. Cool. Probably a Jensen book though. Excellent. I certainly don't do a hundred books a year. That's <laughs> wild. That's really impressive. Um, but I just finished reading uh, The Hunter Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century by Brett Weinstein and Heather Herrer. I can't remember what her second name is, but it's fantastic. It's super relevant. They literally finished it like in June this year. So it's super relevant and it's just a really beautiful, wonderful book. And it starts, yeah, it uh, asks and answers a lot of really good questions. But I think a lot of the things we've spoken about in regards to censorship, taking a step back and being understanding of other people, looking at our environment, what we can learn from it, definitely what we can learn from from nature and natural health. Mm -hmm. um, very, very important topics. And obviously they're very, very um, well-versed intelligent individuals so that's that that's one i'd certainly recommend if you can squeeze that in yeah i'll have to put that on my list get in there that would be great beautiful yeah. well thank you so much for your time today what's the best way that people can connect with you veronica uh, i would say the best way is through networking nutritionists uh you can send an email there as well it's hello at networking nutritionists with an s on the end dot com uh so that's the best way to to get a hold of me beautiful well i'll make sure that is in the show notes as well as the information about NHPPA as well. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. That was a good chat. Thank you. Thanks uh, for having me. Of course, I really appreciate it. Well, thanks very much for listening, everybody. This is True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. Don't forget to see the show notes if you want to grab any of the uh, information that we've spoken about today. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week.